Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL has the people insight to help you build a talent strategy that achieves outcomes like increased productivity, internal mobility, engagement and leadership diversity. SHL brings transparent AI technology, decades of trustworthy data science and objectivity to help companies attract develop and grow the workforce you need to succeed in the digital era. Visit shl.com to learn how you can unlock the full potential of your greatest asset, your people. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 298 of the Recruiting Future podcast. The accelerated digital transformation of 2020 is driving significant additional adoption of recruiting and HR technology. But is technology making us more productive? And how might things develop as we move into 2021? My guest this week is Tim Ringo a highly experienced HR and technology consultant and author of the new book, The Productivity Puzzle. In our conversation, Tim shares some highly knowledgeable insights into the relationship between humans, technology and productivity. Hi, Tim, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here, Matt. Thank you. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone a bit about what you do? Sure. Um, Tim Ringo, uh, originally from uh, the States. I've been living in the UK for about 25 years now. Um, I originally joined Anderson Consulting back in the day, back in 1990, um, mainly because I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, when I got out of university and uh, progressed through uh, Anderson to what became Accenture. And I was a senior executive in Accenture, recruited to IBM to lead IBM's global human capital consulting practice uh, based in, uh, in the UK, but it was a global uh, role. So senior executive in IBM for, for quite a few years. And then uh, I moved over to the software side after 25 years of consulting. Um, and uh, I most recently was at SAP SuccessFactors. SuccessFactors is obviously one of the bigger, more successful um, human capital platforms. And then in April, right at the beginning of lockdown, I uh, uh, I retired or what I call pro-tire um, because I'm still doing things like writing books and, and podcasts, things like that. So things that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, I pro-tired in, uh, in, in April. So uh, that's about me. But essentially, I've been in HR consulting for you know, 25 years and then HR software um, for the past five. And then I write books. So I wrote uh, Calculating Success on uh, Harvard Business Review, co-wrote that. Uh, and then I just released uh, a few weeks ago my latest book, Solving the Productivity Puzzle, which is on uh, Kogan Page, was released on August the 13th. So, um, yeah, spending a lot of time on that uh, at the moment. It would be great to sort of find out more about that latest book. Talk us through what's the book about? How did it and how did it come about? Yeah, you know, it was in 2018 and I came upon a, a paper by the OECD, which was really shocking because it said essentially, you know, human productivity is in kind of terminal decline, uh, which is going to lead to downward pressure on GDP 
and then GDP per capita going out to 2060. So essentially, you know, the view was quite grim that we're going to see, you know, uh, not as good a living standards as we have today, not as good, not as much prosperity, uh, etc. And it put, you know, uh, two thirds of the picture, put two per, two thirds of the pie was on the human productivity piece, and um, I, I was um, I was shocked, but I also I didn't agree with what they were saying, which essentially is that. Um, organizations are not going to invest in aligning people to technology. Um, second, they're not going to change their processes and business models to align uh, to technology effectively. And then third, they're not going to change their organization structures to take advantage of digital technology. And and you know, having been in consulting for many many years and been in, you know in, in done some very big HR programs, it just didn't mesh with, mesh with what I was seeing um, a couple of years ago and even more so today, which is that organizations are doing those things. They are um, finally getting back to investing and aligning people to technology. They are changing their processes and business models, and they are um, starting to restructure. So I, I think the OECD is missing a trick there, and I sort of put them in the pessimist camp, and I sit in the optimist camp. It says, well, actually, I think um, because of those things, plus turbocharging, uh, you know, humans with with uh, smart technology, I think we're going to see the greatest um, uplifts in productivity we've uh, we've ever seen. So I come at it from a very different perspective and see something clearly quite different than than they see. Fantastic. And there's so many things I want to ask you more about there. Before we do, though, something that you sort of talk about at the beginning of the book, which I think is probably important in terms of background to all of this, is the productivity paradox. Yeah, it's been around for a long time, really. It sort of appeared in the 1970s when after a, you know, a, a phase from the end of the war until about 1970, there had been, you know, massive leaps in technology and, uh, you know, process reengineering. Um, and we had seen some productivity uplift from that pretty dramatically. But then, similar to today, we saw productivity drop off. And even as more technology came in in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, um, to the beginning of the 1990s, we, we saw this kind of divergence, which we're seeing today, which is that people productivity is not sort of keeping up with where you would think it would be with all this fantastic technology. Then the 1990s came along, and the internet came along, and we saw prolonged and ex- expansive um, improvement in people productivity because there was massive attention on the internet and the possibilities of the internet and a lot of money put into aligning people to technology. And I was there. I was working in Anders Consulting and the change management practice in the 1990s. And, you know, it was a, it was a billion dollar business for us. Um, you know, companies were spending huge amounts of money on putting these new systems in and making sure people were more productive. So we saw a massive productivity increase. But you know, after sort of twin shocks in the early 2000s, so 9-11, and then you had the 2008 financial crisis, for whatever reason, those two things spooked companies and they stopped spending money on aligning people to technology. And that's why we're seeing the paradox kick in again, which says we're spending massively on technology, but we're not seeing the uplifts. Really, since about 2010, we're in the longest period of, you know, productivity decline uh, that's ever been recorded, yet we have fantastic technology. Um, and uh, so we're in that paradox once again. But this is the longest, and to economists, the most concerning uh, lengthy period of, of people productivity decline. Therefore, the OECD are saying, well, maybe we're in a terminal decline in productivity, which again, I, I argue the, the other side of that. So I suppose it's impossible to sort of dig this, dig into this any deeper without 
talking about what has happened in 2020 with the with the, with the pandemic that for many employers has 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 really changed the the way that they work with their em- employees. What's your view on that? What what have we seen this year, and how does it kind of relate to what we've seen in the past, and and how might might shape the future? Well, there's two things. Um, you know, again, crises knock us on to a different path, right? I think after 9-11, it knocked us on to a different path, but it wasn't a good one when it comes to people and and human capital inside of companies. 2008, again, another shock that knocked us on to a different path. It again, um, you know, reduced investment in, in people and that sort of thing. But this one is different. So this is, we've, we've been unfortunate that we've had three major shocks inside of 20 years. It's a little bit unprecedented, really. Um, and this one has knocked us onto a, a completely different path, but it, but it has been a, a people. It's a human thing, right? It's a, um, you know, it's a human pandemic. It's human health that we're talking about. And it couldn't have happened at a worse time because we were, you know, struggling. We're starting to make headway on the productivity problem, but it really has knocked productivity quite substantially. And you've seen that in the numbers in the UK. You see it around the world. But I actually think that this new path that we've been knocked on is going to actually help productivity in the coming you know, it could be 18 months, it could be two years, it's going to take a little while. But I think this new path that we're on is we, we're going to see managers much more comfortable with uh, with workers having more autonomy, you know, working where and when they uh, best work, when they're most productive. I think you're going to see the emergence of, of more empathetic leadership. Um, I think you're going to see, and we are seeing companies are starting to invest even more money now in in the human technology interface, right? So you're hearing a lot about, you know, the, the people experience, the human experience inside companies. And that's really important to solving the productivity puzzle. So I think these three things, and I'd already written about them in the book before the crisis, um, we're, we're, are now accelerated these trends. Um, you know, the other thing I like is that we're going to de-densify the offices. I think that's going to help you know, um, improve productivity because we were over densifying and you just couldn't get anything done in an office. So this is a unique one that I think actually is causing companies to invest in people, both in their health and well-being, but the technology that they're going to need. And I think it's going to change managers and leadership attitude towards when and where people people work. Um, and so I'm actually quite optimistic that this time we've been knocked onto a better path than we were on before. Uh, and although we're going to have a dip in a big dip in productivity, we're going to see, I think, a big uplift on the other side. We talk about a lot of HR technology on this podcast. So obviously talent acquisition software, but also stuff around talent management and L&D and, and other aspects of human capital software. Digging back into this paradox, talk us through some of the reasons why up to the pandemic, the speed at which companies were adopting that technology was nowhere, has been nowhere near close to matching the speed the technology develops. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the, gla- the gap was being closed um, the past five years, um, but it, you're absolutely right. It hasn't happened fast enough. Um, and I do think that because because you know the workplace is going to change dramatically uh, from this. I think these technologies we're going to see a significant uptick, particularly in medium-sized en- enterprises and smaller enterprises, and certainly more adoption in the larger enterprises. Um, and you know, I think these technologies um, are not only going to get invested in, but I think people are going to learn lessons from how do you implement them. 
um, to make them human centric versus, you know, HR process centric or the IT department centric, right? So a lot of these solutions were I, treated as IT projects. Um, you know, the human experience wasn't thought of very much. I think that's changing uh, rather dramatically. You see people like SAP Success Factors and Workday and others and, you know, talking about human centric work. And, and really these technologies almost need to disappear into the background. I think in the in the near future, we're not going to hear the term HR system anymore because they're going to become ubiquitous. They're going to be th- something that we talk to versus type into, and they're all and they're going to be really sort of performance support um, throughout the day, performance support for you and your manager to to make you better. Um, and I think that's the shift we're going to see. And when that happens, you've got augmented, you know, humans augmented by technology. That's when you see the the big uplift in in productivity, and that is happening. We're we're heading in that direction. And I think it's going to accelerate over the next few years. So broadening that out slightly in terms of technology augmenting humans, again, a lot of conversation that we've we've had on the show around the, the future of work has looked at sort of various different sides of the vision of what technology is going to look like and whether it will replace people's jobs or augment people's jobs, whether technology can do jobs better than humans or whether humans can do better than, than technology. What's your take on what's happening and how it might develop as we move forward? Well, at the risk of pushing a, a different book um, than mine, but a, a book that I read a few years ago, which I absolutely love, was called Race Against the Machines by uh, Professor Benofsen and McAfee's, uh, both MIT economists. And it, it, it's really a human capital book. They even say so in it. You know, this is to help organizations understand how technology is going to work in the future. Obviously, not time to go into it at the moment. Let me, let me summarize kind of what they said, and I absolutely believe. I think that you know, because technology is going to become more and more um, you know, human-centric and augmenting humans, you're going to, again, you're going to see this kind of uplift. But what's really interesting is they absolutely say in the book, and I agree, these technology inflections are highly disruptive. People lose their jobs. There's no doubt. You go you know, all the way through the Industrial Revolution, whenever there was a major technology inflection, people lose their jobs. So let's use an example. In the UK, London 2012, Uber comes along and, you know, really disrupted, you know, the, the, the sat-nav app and, and, you know, disrupted that, that um, you know, that industry dramatically and a lot of people lost their jobs. But let's fast forward, you know, even as early as next year, you're going to have situations where you're going to have taxis that are autonomous. They drive themselves. Um, and you can be a taxi driver and you can own two taxis, one that drives itself and one that you drive. And you can you can double your income, you can double your effectiveness, right? And I know it's a bit of a wacky, you know, but this is the kind of stuff that's coming, that, you know, technology, we're through one big inflection, we're now absorbing that inflection, and we're starting to create new jobs that we never thought of before or completely change jobs um, from how they were done, you know, before. And this is just really fascinating. And that's why they call it race against the machines. And, you know, the humans, we are winning that race. Um, and we are learning how to harness these technologies to make our jobs better, more enjoyable, higher value. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the point we are in the technology spectrum at the moment. What would your advice be to recruiting leaders, HR leaders, people who are look, you know, reviewing uh, technology at the moment and really sort of setting the strategy for their companies for the, for the next few years in terms of how things work? What, what should they be thinking and what should they be focusing on? Yeah, I write about this heavily in the book. Um, and I've written quite a few blogs uh, you can find on my website. But for me, and it sounds somewhat boring potentially, but it's absolutely critical. Um, the thing that, and, and this is the, the pandemic has made this even more important. Um, companies right now should be very focused on their strategic workforce plan, 
right? I, uh, the furloughs are starting to go and you're seeing, you know, massive job cuts, which again happened in 2008 and in, at 9-11. And those companies always regretted that they got rid of that talent because they were, it took years to get the talent back that they needed. And that's what's going to happen again in this situation. Now, luckily, we've had the government paying people. And that's, I think, has been tremendously helpful um, to the economy and to people and to society. Um, but I am concerned now that, you know, organizations are going to just start cutting, you know, 10% here, 10% there, and not having done a strategic workforce plan, which is really simple. You look out 12 months, even 18 months, and you say, right, what are the conditions like likely to be? Create scenarios, figure out your supply and demand of talent, and then work that back to today. And that should give you a really good picture of the skills you're going to need in the very near future and the talent that you're going to need. And you're more likely then to say, hang on, we have to invest in keeping these people around as demand picks up rather than starting to just cut jobs. And the good news is the technology, you know, the, the human capital technologies are very advanced in this space now. Um, and they make it, you know, really easy, really intelligent for HR and, you know, operations and the CEO and the CFO to work together to say, look, you know, this is the plan. This is likely how things are going to play out. Let's plan accordingly and let's not cut 200 jobs over here or 300 over here or 3,000 because we're going to need these people and we're not going to be able to find this, these skills later. Final question. Where can people find out more about you and where can they buy the book? So books available. Um, Kogan Page is my uh, publisher, so it can be uh, found on koganpage.com. Also, Amazon uh, UK. Um, and you can also find uh, a link to that on my website, which is really simple, timringo.com. Um, and you can find more information about my workshops that I do around the book, speeches I do around the book. And uh, I post regularly videos and um uh, and blogs, uh, subjects around the book. Tim, thank you very much for talking to me. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Matt. My thanks to Tim Ringo. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search through all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. 